Hey everybody, I'm Micah Rich. And I'm Olivia Kane. And welcome to the Weekly Typographic. A podcast where we discuss our favorite type and design news from the week. Greetings, Olivia. Hello, Micah. <laughs> uh, we have a little bit of background noise, so we're doing the Weekly Typographic ASMR edition. I know. Our microphone, like the amount of volume they pick up is low, but we are very, very close to this microphone right now. <laughs> if it does sound bad, though, we can all blame Micah because he's my ears for this studio recording. That's true. <laughs> I, I gave the big okay. <laughs> I was like, we can move into my tiny bathroom, but... Now you have some background noise, Micah. So. Yeah, it's great. It's what a day. It's you know what? It's because it's starting to be springtime. People are outside, That's true. and so all the all the things need to happen for people to be outside, like tearing up a road. That's true. I hope it just makes us feel like we're really real people. You know that we're not androids because we're having to deal we're having to deal with this. Look, unwanted. speak for yourself. I'm not an android, but I'm certainly not from this earth. All right, I'm, okay. I'm a little too weird for that. Okay, that's fair. All right, I guess we should get this started. It's a little oh, bit yeah, of a funny right. podcast today. We're going to be talking about the state of typography at this moment in March 2022. We're talking about the big trend report that Monotype puts out every year. We'll be discussing what they're noticing in the past year or so, but then we're also going to be jumping forward and talking about what to expect in the future of typography with some really groundbreaking indie designers, talking about how the 80s are back, baby, in type <laughs> and editorial design, Gross. and chatting a little bit about the Font Fashion Week being hosted, I guess, by I Love Typography. So it'll be pretty exciting. Our nerd alert is kind of the links, so similar to our geography typography uh, week. But I think it's going to be fun. More importantly, though, our first link of the week, Micah, is something we've been anticipating for a long, long time. Indeed, Aroni. We've hinted at this a little bit that our next workshop is going to be with the extremely talented and entertaining Oliver Schondofer. How'd I do? Is that close? I think that was right. That's how Oliver has been telling us it is. I'm going to have to hear it from his lips, though. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. We love Oliver. <laughs> Oliver, who you might know as Pimp My Type, which is a clever play on the old exhibit show, who does, I mean, we featured his articles and whatnot 10 million times because he does such great write ups and videos teaching everything, honestly, from the very basics of typography and typesetting to like some pretty advanced stuff every once in a while. We were like, hey, come teach a workshop on your specialty, which is picking and pairing fonts. And so he came up with the wonderful title of Pairing Type the Easy Way, which I think is going to be really fun. Yeah, I think it's going to be about what you just mentioned. You know, so many designers, their inconfidence with typography comes from pairing typefaces. It's something that you're not going to learn out of the gate. And there's not like hard and fast rules that are easy to pick up on. It's something that is a little more nuanced and takes understanding the anatomy of letter forms and having a good grasp on the whole catalog of type out there to understand and to teach. So I think Oliver is just so with it, with what's happening in the world of typography. He also uses typefaces so eloquently. We featured an article about him changing the type on his website and choosing two different fonts to pair with. And even that article, 
article was like so educational. He's able to talk in such an approachable way. After the workshop, you're just going to have like clear guidelines and how to better combine typefaces. Definitely some tips and tricks and techniques. You'll be more confident and then you'll just save time. I feel like that's the annoying part of pairing fonts is, okay, this is taking so long to even figure out what to pick here. I think that is really where this is going to come in handy. And it's going to be coming up in April. It will be the first weekend of April on the weekend, April 2nd and 3rd. It's going to be 12 p.m. Eastern time, but just try to convert for whatever time zone you're in. I know that everyone's coming from around the world. And if you can't make it live, you'll be getting the recordings of this very special workshop and it'll be interactive. So there'll be a a little assignment that you can just decide to do after the first day and then you could get feedback on your combination. So you can actually learn from trial and error and learn personally from Oliver. That was a great description that made me want to go, which luckily I am going. Yeah. I plan on being there. So we'll both be there. Less background noise, hopefully. (laughs) Yeah. So that is our first link and the one I am most excited about, which should tell you some things about what we're about to talk about. What, that you're not excited about trends in type? (laughs) Yes. I think it's exciting. I'm ready to dive in and and hate on everything. And be a hater. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm the grumpy old man saying, get, get your trends off my lawn. Oh, 100%. I am incredibly entertained by a lot of these links this week. The first one is the infamous monotype trends report. I feel like we talked about this last year, actually. It's honestly just a really interesting... It's a PDF, first of all. I think the link that we provide is a link to download the PDF. You have to like give them your email or something to get the PDF of this. But everyone, everyone should be able to access it. And they've just gathered a bunch of examples from branding agencies, from foundries. And it's just stuff that's – well, at first I thought it was all stuff that was made in the last year. And then I was like, some of this stuff's a little bit older. But there is a big range of trends. I can uh, mention a few One of them is called New Nouveau. Another one's called Loopy. Another one's called Organic Mod. There's a terrible named one called Throw Up. (laughs) And then NF Type talking about kind of that world as well. Which ironically is the one that makes me want to throw up the most. Yeah, that one also makes me want to throw up the most too. I'm not going (laughs) to lie. I think I'll be a hater with you. Oh, on that one. I just realized the Throw Up joke about that type category and then you using it oh wait you didn't understand what they were referencing before i wasn't understanding what you were referencing before oh oh okay okay yeah i do have a favorite a couple favorites maybe i really like the one that is organic mod i actually i don't know if i really thought any of these observations were that novel to be honest (laughs) i Mm. thought a lot of them were like oh yeah i've seen that observation before like we all know ink traps we all know like using variable fonts and then mixing up the widths and weights or you know using coded uh, processing software to make like cool type design like some of this stuff i think actually has been going on for quite a bit and while they're bringing up current examples i'm like yeah but tell me a new type trend i thought the new type trend they really touched on was organic mod this is certainly something that i feel like i wasn't seeing before the past couple years it's all about so some of the type in this is like weird blobby type that kind of shape shifts a little bit depending on the letter but there's it's all display type. It's not really about legibility. It's about the aesthetic. And then some of them have really funky negative shapes. It's just really unusual type that isn't like the most legible, but certainly feels like alien to me. 
And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah, I kind of have been seeing this. I know I've definitely been seeing the ice cream brand they mentioned. It's called Nice. And it just feels like fitting for a weird ice cream brand. I don't know. That's my two cents on the most unique favorite trend of the grouping here. Do you have any favorites flipping through? Uh, <laughs> no, because you don't like trends. <laughs> Um, a few of the designs that are in here, I'm like, that's cool. Okay. I don't think I'm on board with any of the actual trends. I think most of what I'm reacting to are like the inspiration for the trends. Okay. Uh, Okay. Let's see. In the throw up section. um, I can't with this title. Okay. I feel like the way you say it's uh, different, like in the throw up section, or I would say in the throw up section. <laughs> oh, both are yeah. Bad. All right. Well, in the vomit section, there's. <laughs> <laughs> Which is terrible. It's not even gross letters. It's literally like ballooning graffiti letters. Right, right. I mean, it, it's a funny way to put it. I don't know. There's like house fonts, onion, which is a cool font. I like that. And mm-hmm. like <laughs> the, the next page is dedicated to the word squirrels not just a word it's a logo sure but it's also just the word squirrels <laughs> on the entire page and obviously i am a sucker for handmade stuff so i particularly like that because it just looks like it's drawn mm-hmm. but then in the next one the death valley bourbon that's pretty yeah. creative i do love those examples even though a lot of the examples i particularly love are lettering And yes, I guess it relates to type. Actually, this was one of my favorites, too. I hate the name. I wish it was a different name. But I do like the idea of like something that is inspired by graffiti. I feel like we haven't really seen it that much. I love that idea of taking something from street art and then just like manipulating it to become quite graphic. Mm-hmm. And I know that you love this because all of these fonts somewhat resemble. What's your favorite school? Why can't Sniglet. I think of your Sniglet? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think this one has some of the more interesting examples and definitely something that feels a little bit more novel. Like, I don't know, like monotype talking about ink traps being a trend. Like, yes, but we know that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, not everybody knows it, I guess, so I don't know. I guess. But. I guess. I, I I really actually like the trend certified gold. I thought was an interesting observation. I wish they talked a little bit about how a lot of this type is made in 3D software. Like, it's not type being made in a flat world. And I feel mm. like, I don't know, this is definitely onto something. And I was like, oh, let me see more examples. And then they show the And Walsh stationery and logo, which that's been out for like three or four years. And I'm like, don't get me wrong. I do think it's interesting and novel in the type trend world. But I just, I thought these were recent trends. I feel like there's other crazier, cooler stuff out there right now. I'm actually kind of a hater now that I'm talking. <laughs> Shoot. I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a huge fan of this. There is some creative stuff in here, but I agree. It's not super recent or wildly innovative stuff, I feel. Yeah. Which I guess a trend maybe is not supposed to be wildly innovative. So maybe I'm maybe I'm looking for too much. Well, a little bit of tea. I saw that Elizabeth Goodspeed, who wrote an article we're going to talk about next, but also wrote an article for Iron Design about this new revival of Yugen style. She called it Yugen dish. And we talked about like that old like Vienna 
Art Nouveau style. And she wrote this whole article about it. And we talked about it. And she on Twitter was like, yeah, they definitely took a lot of what I was saying and then summarized it and put it in one of the sections in here and took a lot of the examples I used and put it in here. And then they just like didn't credit a lot of the research that I was doing into this. And she also pointed out that throw up's a terrible category name. <laughs> <laughs> It's honestly my favorite, even though it's gross and dumb. I know. I do want to say, though, we're skipping over the NFT. We just hate it on NFT type, and we got to do a nerd alert about it. I don't want to, but we got to. Like, it is a thing, and nobody understands Who knows about it? Yeah, I want someone that I can just grill. Like, does Thomas know about it? Mm, Unfortunately, Thomas, if you're listening, I think I know more about it than Thomas does. Oh, wow. Thomas got approached about a project related to an NFT. So he researched it a little bit, but it was sort of he was he was coming at it from like a very practical standpoint of production for this project. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've at least researched the idea of it a bunch outside of that context. I want a really neutral party to kind of come on and talk about it because I do really feel like it's so polarizing. There is very rarely a neutral party that can see the good and see the bad. I even feel like monotype here tries to be like, here's this cool trend, but also like it's terrible for the environment. I want to know how it could benefit a designer, when a designer would want to do it or not want to do it, and what even that process is like. And I know there's going to be a bunch of information there that I'm not going to understand. But if I can even understand like 50% of what it is like to produce an NFT typeface, I will feel enlightened. And I think like people listening will also feel enlightened because I am a hater, but there's got to be positives in there. I'm not totally convinced it's all terrible, like I think in my brain. You know what we should do? There was like a font related blockchain thing that came up at one point, I don't know, six or eight months ago or something. I'll try to find it, see if we can reach out to them, and see if we can find somebody who knows some stuff. If any of the listeners know anyone that would be great to talk to, also feel free to reach out to us because I feel like everyone would want to know what's up, be more informed. Hopefully not too much of like a mansplained podcast episode. We'll find someone <laughs> we'll find someone good and approachable, and I think it could be pretty fun. So jumping back in time. NFC, right, we know, somewhat of a future. No, no, I definitely think it's interesting and people need to talk about it. So we mentioned Elizabeth Goodspeed. She writes great articles about emerging trends. And this one is titled The 80s Are Back, Baby. And it's from Ion Design, my favorite blog, which also puts such great visuals alongside this article. First of all, I have seen this trend and wasn't quite sure where to place it, what to name it, where it's coming from, what it was inspired by. And then in this article, you see a bunch of advertisements from the 80s. And it's like huge refined serif type, like thin serifs, huge type, an image. And then sometimes there's like a block of type beneath. And so these are all ads from the 80s. The most recognizable one you could probably picture in your head right now without looking at this article was that Apple series of ads they had in the 80s. It looks a little bit grainy. It has some cheeky statement and then it has a picture. So I've been seeing like type that comes from this kind of aesthetic for a while. I know one really popular one that I think everyone's using is called editorial new or something. Yeah. And I've been like, huh, this is interesting. But I didn't really think much about it coming from a historical place. And then I think it's interesting that this type trend is a type trend that's based in editorial design. So it's not strictly living in an isolated typographic world. It's like big type, big image, 
a very specific composition too that is then manifesting itself in really modern brands. So if you actually scroll down, you, you might miss it because I almost did. In like the middle of the article is a carousel of a bunch of modern brands that are using this aesthetic. And I literally thought they were all advertisements from the 80s. It's all weird, <laughs> like muted tones, like grainy things on it. And then I see like the Skims logo, which is like Kim Kardashian's brand, or this brand Vacation looks like it couldn't possibly have been made in 2022. Or there's even like modern intimacy where it's like a sex toy and you're like, whoa. So it does kind of something interesting because you're like, I'm familiar with this motif, with this composition, with this layout. And then, oh, here's a whole new lens on it with like a modern product. And then what does that say? You know, we were talking so much last year about nostalgia, like coming back, like people's love for the retro. I think this is part of that, but it is a totally different aesthetic than we think of when we think of like the Burger King retro or like everyone Mm -hmm. using Cooper Black all of a sudden. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was a line in this, too, that briefly mentions, like, when I look at this, I look at a slightly watered down version of David Ogilvie's work, which she briefly mentioned. Really? I guess I'm not that familiar. I think oh. I think that was where I learned a lot of copywriting and, and advertising design when I was really young. And I forget where somewhere in here she mentions, like, this can be traced back even further than the 80s to David Ogilvie and the, oh. the Mad Men of the sixties. Yeah. It is weird because to me, the eighties were a watered down version of the sixties. And Mm. now the 2020s are a super watered down version of the eighties. Yeah. It's kind of weird because I mean, they talk at the end about just like general, what all this stuff is marketed towards and how a lot of this is Gen Z marketing and Gen Z's obsession with just like They jump from like the 80s, the 90s to the 2000s and soon like the 2010s is going to be vintage and they're going to be like trying to recreate that era. So I think it's totally right that Gen Z has this like weird obsession with vintage everything. This is an aesthetic way to bring that back, a way that actually makes some of these fashion brands look serious. I think sometimes if you go too retro, things look really silly and kind of goofy, whereas this feels like a little bit more refined in a way that can kind of straddle the threshold of this is goofy because this is like from this period of time when like you didn't have access to all these refined flat graphics of the 2020s but it's also like beautiful tight with really nice kerning and it feels like something that's like very crafted which I find pretty interesting I mean they also mentioned that this is really breaking out in like the fashion and lifestyle brands and that campaign work and we haven't really seen it come down to like consumer packaged goods and tech but like typically that actually I didn't know this but a lot of design trends will start in like lifestyle and fashion and then trickle down to more everyday things which makes a lot of sense but they're seeing it for a lot of these high fashion Nike skims like Aimé Leon Dor and I'm curious like when we're gonna start seeing these literally on like YouTube ads or stuff like that in a more everyday sort of way yeah I personally disagree with the refined interpretation. You don't think this looks refined? Whatsoever. I think this is the opposite of refined. Why? I think it's like like a lot of it's so crowded and it is silly. If it, it seems silly to me. It seems like they're intentionally being silly because I feel like the Gen Z vintage vibe that exists is like postmodernism. It's like intentionally rebelling against the previous generation's cleanness and, you know, organization and, and hierarchy and all of that stuff. And so I think it's these brands being like, 
these kids like weird, crazy, silly, not serious stuff. So I guess that's what we'll do. And I feel like we're going to start seeing this trickle down once more, I think some, but I don't have any references, startups start using it. And that's when we're going to start seeing it much more on subway posters and in packaging and stuff like that. And I think that's probably like a few weeks around the corner of maybe months. Yeah, I definitely want, I will snap some pics if I see any. But you said that you think this is messing with hierarchy and organization and seems crowded. I want to talk about that. I feel like the hierarchy is like almost overbearing. It's like huge image, big type, smaller type, logo. I mean, okay, that's true. But I think it's a little tough for me because this article is mixing inspiration with modern stuff in these carousels. So I keep like going through and being like, is this new? Is this not new? I'm confused. Yeah, no, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Maybe that was not fair to say to lump hierarchy in that because you're right. It is very clearly like, here's the first thing you should look at. Here's the second thing. Yeah. It's almost like overdone in that way. I think what I was trying to say and didn't say well was more like everything feels crowded and pushed in the box that is the poster here. Mm, That's interesting. And I think that's so interesting because we often talk about type trends like, oh, this typeface is like everyone's using Cooper Black or everyone's using like geometric sans serif. You know, it's a little bit more in a vacuum. Whereas I feel like we really talk about like a composition hearkening back to a certain time or making it reference a certain era. And that's why I just find this trend so interesting is because you're like, everything has to fit in the box. And that comes back from a different mode of production where there's not unlimited scrolls on websites or stuff like that. Mm, yeah. And a lot of editorial, a lot of the famous ads we learned about from the 50s and 60s and Mad Men era were like newspaper ads or magazine ads. You even mentioning that crowdedness really speaks to like a specific moment and why these, you know, it's it's really just like every little thing in here feels so stylized. And I totally get what you mean. Gen Zers don't want to take anything seriously. So everyone trying to market to them is like, here's something a little silly. I can see the refined aspect of, I guess, what they were trying to mimic, but you're right. Even all of the quirks of this feel like unnecessary for a modern way of designing. And that's what kind of makes it feel goofy. To be honest, I mean that with respect in terms of like how Gen Z seems to see the world from a cultural standpoint. (laughs) I think Gen Z was handed a bunch of shit. Yeah. And they were like, well, you know what? I don't care then. I give up. You can't hurt me. There's nothing you can do to me. And then for all of these brands to start trying to market to the things that they visually see to me, just feels like a mental disconnect of like, oh, well, you're still just trying to do the same thing with a different skin on it. Yes. And it's missing the point of why these people feel this way. Yeah. I think you're like totally getting to the root of what they're trying to accomplish with here. Like there's a great quote from the creative director at Chandelier Creative. And he says, from the looks of it on Instagram, everyone under 40 has ditched their reishi smoothies for caviar and martinis. And why not? It's grim out there. I'm all craving a bit more pleasure and wit to make us feel alive again. And even like comparing our time period to the 80s, Elizabeth Goodspeed writes, looking back at the past 50 years, what could embody this mindset better than the 1980s? A time of vibrant nightlife, rampant consumerism, all set against like the bleak backdrops of Reaganomics Mm. and the AIDS crisis. Interesting point. And she mentions here too, like everyone's like smoking cigarettes in New York. And there's a lot of things behind that. But a lot of people are like, fuck it. This is the scenario we're in. Like, gotta go treat ourselves. Like, gotta just live my best life. Gotta take care of myself. And there's like so much of, I don't know, like a little bit of 
yeah, fuck it. I'll buy whatever. I'll take trips. This world is probably going to end in 20 years mindset. And how that is reflective of the 80s is pretty interesting. That is a very good point. In a different way. Like, I don't think things felt apocalyptic back then. Right, right. Well, I don't know, but. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Yeah. We spent plenty it's, of time it, on like here. It's, it's totally different for a person to feel that way and for a brand to try to sell something using that language. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, like, what's going to be coming next? Because this is going to run its course. And then where are we dipping our toes into <laughs> in the future? It's going to be like future futurism. It's going to be like retrofuturism, but in the future that everybody talked about what the future was going to be. We're going to be living in a pristine, clean sci-fi land in 10 or 15 years where everything's designed to be super minimal, super organized, super clean. That's my prediction. Highly functional. Okay. Yeah. We'll keep our eyes out. Yeah. If I make it that long. <laughs> Same. <laughs> All right, our next article is from It's Nice That. And while you we were just looking past, looking back, I guess, the past year and trends going in and out, looking back at the 80s, this is all about the new frontier. This is about like where we're going, the designers that are like leading the indie type revolution. So I don't know. This article just gave me a lot of optimism, a lot of excitement. It's nice that talked to a bunch of designers like across the world and got this much more global perspective where I feel like everything we've been looking at so far is like either in America or Latin language worlds. There's a lot of great designers here. A lot of great studios I didn't know about came out with a few favorites, some really interesting designers. There was one designer, and this was written in January, so I guess before the Ukraine humanitarian crisis going on right now, but there was a really talented type designer, Katerina Korolevseva. She's from Kiev, from Ukraine. And she was talking about how Cyrillic type doesn't have as much like representation in the display type world and that she's like trying to bring her cultural perspective into her type design and into a written language that has a little bit more functional type, doesn't dabble as much in the display world. And the type that she creates in here is some reverse contrast Cyrillic. Sorry, I just blanked on the word. And I don't know. It's like really interesting. Even her compositions using this is fascinating. She says she's from her her hometown is Slavutich. Oh my gosh. My friend who is Ukrainian is going to kill me. But she said it was like a really new city and actually being able to express that is really impactful. It is like devastating reading this article a little bit, knowing about what's happening in Ukraine and the disgusting war that's going on there. But if there's anything we can do, definitely I thought she was a designer that really stood out in here. I hope that she continues her practice and I was totally exposed to a whole new way to see Cyrillic. I love that. I honestly don't have a ton to say about this one. I just think it was interesting and like also a lot of new stuff to me. Right. That was just stuff I I hadn't really been exposed to and didn't really think about before. Yeah. I think it's interesting. A lot of these type designers are like really optimistic about the future of type and feel like quite aligned to where we see the type world going. I know there's a shout out to Velveteen. Um, one mm. of the type designers, like when I had no money, like Velveteen was like my go-to so I could start using some great typefaces. And one of the designers, Walid Buchucci, 
he was really excited about the future of typography because he was like, there's so much sharing of knowledge on platforms like YouTube, Instagram, Twitch. He was like, we're only going to continue to see a diversity of language support and creators in that world. And I just feel like all of the designers in the article have their own point of view of bringing their culture into typography. I'm seeing letter forms I literally haven't seen before in characters that I haven't seen before. And then especially not in this very creative output which I think is very cool. I want to be exposed to more stuff like this. Yeah. And there's a lot of cool links that can take you down some rabbit holes in this, especially at the end. There's like a straight list of links here that is just like, I could probably spend 45 minutes browsing all of this stuff. Right. I think all of them named a few foundries or type designers they admire. I know nearly none of these foundries or type designers that are inspiring right. these people. So I think, like you said, it's good jumping off point to go from there. I think it's pretty exciting. I wonder if, if any of these would be good for us to reach out to and talk about like a workshop on something interesting oh, and unusual. We are bookmarking this. That is genius. Yeah. Genius. Okay. All right. Our last link of the week, because I've had us talking for far too long today, I think. Oh, that's all good. The Font Fashion Week. What the heck is this, Olivia? What the heck is this? Okay. I Love Typography is organizing a series of free online events celebrating the trends in international type designs. And there's, I guess, two tracks they're saying. There's like Font Runway is like one set, one series of talks. And then Fonts and Branding is another series. And there's going to be articles and interviews coming out from Foundries. And there's going to be new releases, I believe, that are coming out on I Love Typography in accordance with this. Registration will be opening mid-March. So I think now things are open. And it just looks really interesting. I think they're during the week. It might be a little tough for some people's time zones. I'm hoping they record these because they have like such a crazy lineup. People I don't know, people I know, Wayne Thompson's talking, and he was the one that did that uh, ABC Sands Australian font we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, but then also Nadine Shaheen, who we love, um, Jesse Reagan, Ben Keel, and Brian Johnson from XYZ Type that I know about, Jean-Francois Porchez, who Karen Chang spoke so wonderfully about on the podcast with us is talking. So it sounds like a super international, lots of great perspectives, lots of things to tune in on. They have some names of some of the talks going on. You'll get everything from geometric sans serif fonts to wet serif font to pair with Proxima Nova to, you know, new types of script. And then like in the branding world, Nadine is talking about human-centered branding. And it looks like there's some branding specific to certain um, projects here as well. So it just looks really great. We love ILT. So I'll give any support I can. That's true. We do. A lot of these, I'm like, what the heck is this about? <laughs> and then if you click on like the tickets, I mean, they're all free, right? And so if you click on the tickets, mm -hmm. it leads to like an event page on Eventbrite. And so there's a little bit more description for the ones that you're curious and have no clue what they mean. Like making a racket. I was like, what the heck is making a racket mean? And it's like a showcase of a variable font that they made and how it can be used and the design process behind it. And I'm like, oh, if you had said that, I might have been interested from the get-go. But I, th mm -hmm. I think because they're just showing the titles, you kind of got to click on any ones yeah. that you're not sure about and get some more information. That's a good tip. There is one I'm very curious about, and that is reshaping a playful yeah. Scotch Roman into a sans serif. Let's talk more about Scotch Romans. Always here to bring attention to this underrated 
type category. Unfortunately, you can't click on that one, so I don't know what playful Scotch Roman, but I'm sure you're going to eat it up. You can tell us all about it. I will. I know. Hopefully, these can get recordings so I can watch and then follow up with everyone about what what we learn over here. Indeed. Good find, though. Wild stuff out here. Indeed. Well, that wraps up me and Micah's long ramble about the world of type right now. <laughs> Ending on some very positive. That was good. Yeah. yeah. I feel like we started a little bit haters and then ended on positive notes. I wasn't even expecting to be as grumpy as you were on that first one. <laughs> I think it's fun to get into some like actual cultural conversations too, you know? Yeah. Cool. We're smart. We know things. We have opinions. Yeah. You know, I actually noticed, I don't know if you know this, but your friend Sarah posted a picture of a coffee cup that had a logo that was a death metal logo. Sorry to circle back to like oh. two months ago, but it must have been a coffee shop in Philadelphia. So I'm, I'm going to look that up because I think it was like grind something and it actually looked like a badass coffee cup. I was like, ooh, I'd want to get coffee there to walk around with this. That's Be interesting. Like a good, good accessory. Add some edge to my... Oh, you know what? I think it's Grindcore House is what it's called. That name, which is like coffee related, also sounds so good and looked so good in death metal letters. It's hard to read. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, but... It certainly but that's fits not in what, with, with the death metal stuff that you I was going to say, sure. death metal doesn't care if you can read it or not. It's here for right. the vibe. <laughs> it's very on point. <laughs> Grindcorehouse.com. Go buy yeah. a mug, I guess. Honestly, maybe, because I'm still on the lookout for more death metal lettering so I can continue talking about it. Haven't seen anything new, but that was the latest Olivia spotted situation. They do have cool t-shirts with a giant skull on it, and I love skulls, so. Okay, there's something for everyone. (laughs) Well, there's two things. You can either get the skull or you can get the crazy type. (laughs) Well, it's everyone on this podcast, so. (laughs) I think we should tell them that they sponsored this podcast. <laughs> right. Sponsored by Grandcore. <laughs> All um, right. What did Steph say that I have to say every time? Oh, I oh. remember. All right. We did good. We did good. It's time to say goodbye. So we'll see you on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> do 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 do